0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 6, Star Trek Bible Character Memos, October 1986.
1: Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal
0: files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek. Larry Nemechek.
1: Hey, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Yes, you Star Trek historians, even though, hey, we've got room for the tech heads here, too. There's plenty of us these days, it feels like. Uh, There's room for everybody. I'll even say the shippers, too, heaven forbid, because when you're looking in Gene's files for the Trek files, we're going to find all kinds of goodies, as always, that relate to some period of history and also reflect on what we're... um, what we're going through today, what we're experiencing today with current Trek and the influences, as always, and boy, um, whenever you're listening to this episode, you've got to admit that uh, uh, the the, the uh, overall look at Picard and especially that third season had been a masterclass in in exactly what to t- how to update our legacy shows and make them fresh and new for an audience now, while while honoring canon and continuity. And as you know, that would be the subject of this week's uh, document, since I'm talking about it. And the document's right there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Hey, I'm going to be back with our guest. But first off, here's an audio sample of this week's docs. Take a listen and then come right back and I will be here with this week's guest.
0: Kirk's great-great-granddaughter is a new junior officer on board the Enterprise. She would have the rank of ensign and be a recent Academy graduate. She would have a lot to live up to. Need I say more?
1: Oh, ho. Uh, whatever you think, we are going to say more because it demands it. <laughs> hey, everyone, take a look at those three docs. We're, we're, these are all from the next generation. The... Uh, The brain trust era, I call it, the first few months in late 1986 and 87 when Gene and his small think tank were grappling with the idea of, once again, how do you do a completely new Star Trek and make it exactly the same? (laughs) Walk that tightrope. And who else to have me in here tightrope walking? Then our good friend of the show and producer, uh, John Champion. John, come on in here. We've, we've stolen you for a few minutes from Mission Log and, and Mission Log yeah. Live and to talk about this. And uh, it's such a hot topic. Well, if people are listening to this when we record, it's a hot topic now. But I think it's an evergreen well, topic. It's
0: an evergreen topic because think about it. When this memo was written in 1986, we had exactly one James T. Kirk. One and mm-hmm. now in the intervening years
1: we had exactly one live action star yeah track. yeah we
0: have one live action star trek and yes <laughs> and we had an animated trek but with the same james t kirk and now mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. live in an era where there are multiple captain kirk's have been multiple captain kirk's um so, this memo early, early development of next gen, I love that it is just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks uh between this one the the other two that we'll talk about, some that will go unpublished for now. We will certainly come back to, but you can picture Bob Jossman in these early days, october of eighty six just firing off memo after memo after what about this idea? What about mm-hmm. this idea? What about this idea? But this one really stuck out to me, pitching the great-great-granddaughter of Captain Kirk (laughs) to be on the Enterprise D as an ensign, um, which I think is a straight-up terrible idea.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what... I Yeah, I uh, yeah I mean, we've had uh, this period of, of Picard having us focus, especially. It's, you know, any new Star Trek series, uh, certainly Voyager and DS9. I talk about a pendulum swing. It's like, what did we just do? Okay, let's do something a lot different. Oh, now it's time to swing back mm-hmm. to something like, you know, two series ago. And it's especially been in focus, and a matter of some discussion... Yeah. <laughs> Ever since, you know, the new era, well, the J.J. Yeah. movies, and what's the Kelvin universe and not, and what do we do? And it's somewhere between the practical, like who do we have, who's working, who's going to do, and and, and the yeah. blue sky, and what, what would be fun to do, what can we do, what can we afford to do? And then it's also in focus, obviously, with Discovery and Strange New Worlds and all the current era, but, you know, Picard really brought it to a new level, and I've been really thankful, as you know, we've had people like Dave Blast, production designer, and Terry Metallus and and folks on to talk about that um uh john Mm -hmm. eve's talking about too also uh about this uh, this aspect and there's so many levels you've got format you've got continuity you've got the visual you've got the characters so but yes these documents this week are actually i've been familiar with them since bob Mm -hmm. justman (laughs) my copies uh printed them out of his home computer for me because at the time i wrote the next generation companion in a Dead Run in Three Months in 1992. Um, you know, none of this was known yet. The show, Next Generation, was still airing. And a lot of the early roots, history of that. And I was amazed when he printed these out. And, uh, you know, some of the ideas, and, and, as well as what maybe we should attribute to Bob. But this one in particular, this first one with the female. Yes, I'm with you. You think... You think it's a yeah, crazy? and idea.
0: at any point along the development cycle, you can hear kind of that conversation, either in the production office, in a writer's room, in their heads, even trying to figure out: Okay, will people buy it that it's Star Trek? If we, what if we don't have a ship called Enterprise? What if we don't have a character called mm-hmm. Kirk or Spock, et cetera, et cetera? How far can we push the audience's expectation? Giving them, as you just said, because it's always the the problem and the opportunity exactly the same and totally different at the same time. Um, and w- what I'm really h- happy about with next gen, and there are definitely exceptions to the rule here, but that rule mm-hmm. came down pretty early, which was to say, we are not going to constantly name check previous generation characters we're not going to constantly talk about kirk spock mccoy we're not you know yes the, there are moments there's the handoff in and uh, you know encounter at farpoint then you have a retread of a script with the naked time being the naked now <laughs> right. But i think this would have been right. for me for my taste as a fan this this is one too many bonk bonk on the head to put Captain Kirk's great, great granddaughter on board, because, again, it it sort of assumes like, well, the audience won't understand that it's Star Trek unless we constantly have those characters around. Um, So I I fully respect and understand what Bob's doing here, throwing the ideas out. But I fully respect the pushback that he got (laughs) from no less than Gene Roddenberry saying, no, we can't just keep doing that.
1: And I'm going to check dates here. Yeah, these are all October. They barely. Be, he'd been at this for the week. This is like literally the first week he was wow. on the payroll. He may not have even been officially wow. on the payroll. Right. He may have just said they were screening movies and, and they're just trying to, you know, and let's let's remember these memos and developing and dealing with all these concepts of how much different, mm-hmm. how much the same. This wasn't the fifth or sixth time they had to sit down and invent a show. This was the first time they were busting up the paradigm of what Star Trek was. Which a lot of, fa- you know, the famously now, the later generations, but I was very well, well aware of it, and I got to document it out of the gate in the 90s. But it's such a shock to people to remember what a pushback there was against Next Generation oh, as sure, not being real sure. Star Trek.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Right, And there's a whole, you know, there was a, even the era... I'm amazed now that they wound up calling it Star Trek The Next Generation, and there's a saga (laughs) and a a memo paper chase Mm -hmm. behind that, too. But, you know, we have Bonanza The Next Generation. I mean, there was a whole time there in the 80s when when Hollywood was so bereft of ideas. Everything we talk about sequelitis now, it was just, you know, then reboots. It was bad then. And that was seen as one of the damning things about the chances for this. And even the cat, you know, Patrick and and Marina, and a lot of them talk about they didn't expect it to go. And Jonathan recently told us on an episode, how they had a set right. of contracts for a yeah. one-off,
0: Th- 13. Right, a 13, yeah. a yeah. six. Yeah.
1: Right, right. All contingencies. So, the fa- the effect that it was like pandering yeah. So, so this would have been um, not only pandering for that, but I'm thinking if you go the route of the Kirk's great, if you go to the relative, the baby relative. I, it feels like we're just how different is that from well yeah it's like we're back in we're back in saturday morning tv dumbed down
0: well and and let's look at where we are now 35 years later which is well more than 35 years later where we have multiple star trek shows on the air Mm -hmm. and again in my completely humble opinion as your mission log host (laughs) i feel like (laughs) there is a lot of that where you you can almost sense that in the writer's room, somebody comes up with an idea like this and they just can't help themselves to take that bait. Like they have to put it in there. And, Mm -hmm. and there are some of those that work really well for me. Um, you know, I think Ethan Peck as Spock has embraced and inhabited that role in a really terrific, profound way. And, as much as I love uh Christina Chong in Strange New Worlds, I still there's that exactly. part in the back of my head that wonders why do we even have a character called Khan? Why do we need to keep name checking Khan in any of That's, this, right? Yeah. That's
1: exactly the example mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of. They've resisted this and we've got you know, we've had mm-hmm. connections and bits and pieces. And even having George Samuel Kirk as a character is kind of fun, I guess I'm, and you know, we've only had one series of 10, yep. one season of 10. I'm still waiting for the payoff right. for that. And maybe I don't right, want right. it right now. Maybe that's a long, maybe that's a long buried Easter egg. We'll, well find yeah, yeah Because the way it is
0: right now, she's just a really cool, really competent character who stands on her right. own. I feel yes. like if those connections are forced all the time down the road somewhere, it'll take away something special from that character. So, I I hope it's one of those things that is never fulfilled.
1: (laughs) This is nothing about the character or Chrissy's acting performance. We all love it, the the dynamics she's evolving. With uh, Rebecca and right, number right. one and, and everyone else in the cast, those are all unique and, and good and make it enjoyable to watch. It's just this aspect yeah, of that, the that what I'm check, saying like is that say. they are yeah.
0: so good that I want them to just stand on their own. You, you could literally take away every right. other attribute and they would just be great on their own. Let's move on to these other two memos because they're they're of right. a similar vein here. Again, it, it's just Bob, like you said, in that office the first week, knocking out memo after memo saying what about this what about this and 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 i just
1: want to say real quick that it was it was a shock in the moment for him to hand mm, me these mm i've just done like a three four hour interview with him about because it was all i had on the run in those days and half of the early crew didn't want to talk about the rough rough first year right the chaos on the bridge year and we were going to learn even more about it later but i was just gobsmacked to see here's him handing me paper tangible Mm -hmm. evidence klingon Mm -hmm. marine wharf Android characters. It's like, are we going to point these right back to, to Bob and give him, you know. So I was thrilled yeah. to learn this and then thrilled to give him credit in 92. And it's something that I know many people have read their next generation <laughs> <Right>. about, <laughs> from pocketbooks. But not, you know, it's a new thing. Every generation of newcoming fans um, don't know those yeah. things automatically. And so I'm, I'm really proud to pull it out here. But it's still worth looking at his words here and him searching for ideas and knowing that that's a couple of ideas that stuck. And the android character, I think Gene had done, you know, we always talk about Quester and how that was a natural. Mm -hmm. But the idea of the Klingon Marine in light of what you just said about not repeating anything from the original right. series, well, well, here's something you know not Yeah, here's something really off. but turning it using yeah, yeah, it to really effect thinking
0: outside the box with that just saying look i know we don't want to have the same characters over and over again but what if we did something and that really became part of it because dramatically it serves a purpose and i love this about mm-hmm. this allows our crew and then the audience to wonder what's going on. Are we confronting some prejudice by doing this? Um, is there an air of mystery <laughs> uh, as as we had with Mr. Spock? So why not use this? And I love being able to credit Bob Justman with the birth of that idea. It's not, not to say that they hadn't mm-hmm. brewed all along, uh, maybe others, because we always see that on these memos, he's copied uh, Jeff Hayes, Eddie Milkus, and David, Um But that at that time, that's the brain trust kicking around all these ideas Um, and very much on paper here is, yeah, you you can just draw a straight line back to this and what we got with Worf. So you're welcome, Michael Dorn. You have Bob Justman to thank. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And then Michael Dorn has Michael Dorn to thank for instead of being a a recurring Mm -hmm. character that he's on. He's such a dynamic force in the pilot that they said, oh, we have to have this guy full time. (laughs) And let's elevate that. But the the other element of this is they were, you know, all all the things they were experimenting and taking a risk on, how do they make it different but the same? And the the thing no one realized in the moment, but the moment they said, we're not rebooting the original series, because they didn't Mm -hmm. want to, because they didn't want to touch those beloved actors as much as the characters very much still, you know, churning out a movie. Had just done a hit movie that year for Star Trek IV, but... The idea to set the show 78 years ahead of Star Trek IV, uh, precisely, but the idea that we're going to set this in another time zone so everything of the Kirk era happened. We're not rebooting, and we're not ignoring it, and we're not papering over it. We're just going further down the line, and that was a concept that some of the old guard in fandom didn't wrap their heads around. I thought it was genius, but I didn't even realize what that meant. It meant that we didn't just have a show, we have a franchise. And that didn't really dawn on every... But having a Klingon Marine was one of the best ways... Look, this is not yeah. Kirk's time. This is in your face every week that we have some kind of a... Unsteady or whatever whatever the details are, the wrinkles of having a piece with the Klingons are... But that's, it's a change relationship, and it's years beyond well, where and, we were last And therein
0: we lies my frustration with some of the lack of growth as we go along, because you see these creative original ideas happening in Star Trek, but then it's like, oh, we, we've gotten too far away from the original thing, so we've got to work our way backwards into that. Mm-hmm. And to me, Star Trek at, at this point, and certainly early enough on, especially after the premiere of star trek the next generation star trek is a format and a universe it is not a character you know so it, it it can perfectly well be star trek without kirk spock and mccoy it can perfectly well be star trek without the enterprise see also voyager and deep space nine um So Mm -hmm. we truly are building a universe. Whenever things like this fold back in on themselves, uh, like bringing in a junior Ensign Kirk's great great granddaughter, (laughs) that again, it's so self-referential that it stops pushing that envelope to boldly go to new places. Um, Right. Let's talk about that final new place that uh, Bob is in favor of exploring. So, again, if. If uh, Doran has somebody to thank, so does Brent Spiner, and that is Bob pitching to Gene, what about a regular, an Mm -hmm. Android character programmed by Starfleet Command? Now, very interestingly, they went a different way and, and had data be a, you know, found piece of technology. I think that's a much more inspired uh, origin story for him, uh, but yeah, uh, right. and capable and familiar with all the you know abilities and characteristics of Spock, fused with the leadership and humanistic qualities of Kirk. Well, again, we're back to using our own references, but <laughs> it's, well, all it's all had. they had. Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah,
1: cut them. Yeah that that was their that was their marker. But, but yeah, yes. He, he, any number of dramatic or humorous mm-hmm. Yeah, evidence. and he, he, he references Gosh. the and android character know.
0: in uh, Alien, and he references other, uh, well, and I love this, this really is the icing on the cake here, recommending this highly skilled British actor, Patrick Stewart, who is in Dune and I, Claudius, and he mm-hmm. might be somebody who could play this android character. <laughs> Imagine that in a different timeline.
1: I, I have... I have seen him read Shakespeare. So the famous story about Bob and his wife, Jackie, being at this UCLA lab class and seeing Patrick and Bob saying, I think we've just found our captain, but knowing that Gene wanted a French actor to literally be French to play right. Jean-Luc Picard, even, even those early weeks, knowing that he's got... But he's seeing the quality in Patrick and going, okay, yeah. fine, Put let's just get him somewhere. in the cast somehow. Right. right. Yeah, let's get yeah. him in there somewhere. But it's it it will shock the modern fan who hasn't been exposed to this truth. Oh my gosh, they thought about Patrick for data. Well, it was all it was all think tanky. It was all brainstorming here. It was all yeah yeah. Again, I love pointing to Bob as the um, the root cause. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, yeah, they're all you know because David Gerald's in the think tank here. Dorothy Fontana was soon to be, um, yeah, with Gene, and uh, you know even. Yes, it was it was just such a small, tiny group, but they had that freedom to totally brainstorm at this level and not have the outside world, you know, knocking on the door
0: or tweeting at them madly yeah. <laughs> to, to tell them <laughs> or, how much of whatever. the same and how different all the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. because it would have because the the paradigm fight was either don't you dare replace Shatner mm-hmm. for, Kirk. you know, everybody could only think in those two dimensional terms of replacing right. Kirk Spot McCoy's right. actors. And the idea of having different characters people actually push back on the beginning but it, as we said we've we unlocked a whole different uh hate to use that word again paradigm here to look at star trek and and looking back now again they weren't just making another it's a it's a tough yeah. row to hoe coming up with any new star trek series but they're doing it for the first right. time here right. so yeah. excellent yeah kirk's great great granddaughter is just gonna have to <laughs> good <laughs> John, thanks for uh, jumping in and uh, and and remembering well the contributions of Bob Justman yeah. here. But again, that 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 wrinkle of uh, how much is the same, how much is how much is exactly. needed new, right? Hey everybody, the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, and all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at Facebook.com/slash/TheTrekFiles. That's it. Hey, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit uh, Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yeah, that's me <laughs> at LarryNimichek.com. Hey, that's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody.
0: This is a Roddenberry Podcast.